Good evening. Thankful to my grandfather for getting our vocal cords warmed up because we're going to do a little singing tonight. We're going to do something a little bit different. Uh, I hope I can be a song leader like him when I grow up. He is, uh, I always say every time he gets up, he's still got it. He does a great job leading us in singing here, and I'm so thankful to have my grandparents here worshiping with us. I count that a great blessing, and, uh, uh, and like I said, always look forward to hearing him lead singing. And uh, tonight we're going to be singing some from the Psalms. Uh, since I've taken an interest in singing the psalms and, and kind of trying to incorporate that and learn how to incorporate that into our singing. As I've studied that, I've noticed people have a lot of questions about that kind of thing. Uh, anytime you bring up something like, well, we're going to do this or we're going to try something new and do this, uh, there's usually some probably appropriate apprehension and going, well, we've never talked about doing that before. Why would we do it now? It sounds like you're trying to do something different or change something. Um, and one thing is I put up here on the screen, singing God's songs that I've found is when you talk about adding psalm singing or singing psalms to our worship, uh, sometimes I feel like people get offended and go, well, what's wrong with the old songs that we sung? What's wrong with the songs that we used to sing? Uh, and I stand here before you saying that I have no uh, problem with the songs that we usually sing. Uh, I look at people like Isaac Watts and Fanny Crosby and Horatio G. Spafford and, and just in awe of the artistry of some of the writers over the years, the musicians, the people that have brought these hymns to us. Uh, I think that Aaron Dicus probably wrote one of the greatest faith anthems that ever exists, Our God, He is Alive. That's a wonderful song. Um, but all of these writers are inspired only in the sense that as they looked at the Bible and saw the beauty of God through the Scripture, the beauty of God through creation, they were inspired like you or I might be in in making a piece of art, whether we look at a sunset and decide to paint it, or whether we uh, look at any other thing and, and kind of want to spin that off into art, they're only inspired in that sense. But when we talk about the Psalms or God's songbook that we gave us in the Bible, of course, we, we might say, well, as a matter of taste, I just think I prefer Horatio G. Spafford to the writings of David. And that would be okay if it's just the writings of David, but we understand and believe the Psalms to be not only the writings of David, but rather the inspired writings of the Holy Spirit. So I think the Psalms do have something to offer us when it comes to singing the songs that God gave us, learning from them, seeing kind of where they differ maybe from some of the songs that we're used to singing and maybe can help us fill in some of our blind spots. So tonight we're going to go through three uh, and try to learn to sing along with them. I think we'll better turn this thing on so I can actually go forward here. There we go. In his class on Wednesday night, Ronald is doing a wonderful job in his class on the Psalms. In his class Wednesday night, he brought up this passage from Psalm 66. Say to God, how awesome are your works through the greatness of your power. Your enemies shall submit themselves to you. All the earth shall worship you and sing praises to you. They shall sing praises to your name. Uh, Ronald mentioned in class, and I think it was a great point, that David wasn't saying and God wasn't saying in the psalm that we can only exclusively say or sing to God the words that are listed here in Psalm 66, but rather this would be something of a model praise to God, like we could talk about the model prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. But the thing about whether it be the model praise or the model prayer is you can have a, a, a prayer or a, a worship song that is more than just this, but I think that we should be careful about having one that's less than this. We should look at this as an example, see what it says, and make sure are we 
praising God in this way? Are we using these kind of thoughts, this kind of language to praise God? And of course, as we do with anything, as we approach the songs that we sing, just as we would approach the sermons that we preach from this pulpit or uh, any of the acts of worship we do, we should approach with the intent of giving God our absolute best, doing things in a, in a profitable way, in a scriptural way. And so again, as we think about songs, the thing I like about the Psalms is you never have to worry about whether or not they're scriptural. They're scripture. And so that's at least helpful in that sense to know that the Psalms are scripture and that we can uh, take that to the bank. Not that, it doesn't, that questions don't come up or issues may arise, but those are some things maybe we can talk about along the way. Earlier I had Brother Bill read the first part of Psalm 3, and he mentioned that context of David on the run from Absalom as, as he has anarchy and kind of mutiny happening in the kingdom. And you see a psalm in Psalm 3 of David saying, Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. One thing I like about the psalms as we read them and even sing them is sometimes we all come into this assembly putting on the mask that we're all okay. If I ask any of you day-to-day uh, -day basis, how are you doing? None of you say terrible. Or none of you say, well, let me tell you about the problems going on in my life. We all say what? Doing good, doing great. The Psalms show us that at times we're not all good. And David finds himself in this position in a place that is not good. He's having increased troubles. But immediately after it says, but you, O Lord, are a shield for me. David knows where his protection comes from and who he can look to for safety. My glory and the one who lifts up my head, I cried to the Lord with my voice and he heard me from his holy hill. He goes on to say, I lay down and slept. I awoke for the Lord sustained me. Now, you imagine in David's situation, he was sleeping in, in places where he could have potentially been at peril. And maybe the very act of waking up was his signal that the night had gone safely and he had been guarded the right way. But I don't want us to lose the fact that through the Psalms, we see that David was thankful to God for things that we often overlook. David views the, the waking up in the morning, the rising for the day, as a blessing from God because God is the one who sustains us and gives us life. I like that. It brings to my mind that at times there's things that I take for granted that of, of course there's going to be air to breathe. Of course there's going to be a sun to rise up in the sky today. The Bible tells us that Jesus holds the universe together by the word of his power. It's God who makes the next day come. He sustains us. And David gives us that thought here as well. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God. For you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. We know at times the Psalms can be violent. It's one thing that kind of makes us bristle up against them in today's world. We know that the Bible teaches us that we're to love our enemies, that we're to pray for our enemies, that we're to show kindness to our enemies for the sake of their soul in hoping that God, through us, might show the light of his Son to them. But the Psalms are good for reminding us that God does have enemies. We hate it. We wish they were his friends, but he does have enemies. And when the time comes, God will destroy his enemies. And that's something our enemies need to hear. They don't need to be blindsided. We need to assure them of what their fate will be as long as they stand against God. But it says, salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. And so 
Let's sing Psalm 3, if you will, and it's to the tune of Amazing Grace. That's one I feel pretty confident that we're familiar with. Let's, uh, let's try to sing the first verse here kind of slowly to get the feel for the words. And then we'll, we'll go back and sing it kind of at a regular speed uh, and try to sing through the psalm here. So we'll start kind of slow. Mm. Oh, Lord, my foes are multiplied. Against me many rise, they say of me, he has no help, though he on God relies. You got it? It's just falling along with the same tune, right? Let's go on to the second verse. But you, my shield and glory, Lord, my head you lifted high, and from his holy hill the Lord gave answer to my cry. I lay and woke again. The Lord sustains my life. I will not fear ten thousand strong surrounding me with strife. Lord, rise and save me, O oh my God, for you subdue my foes. You strike the jaw of wicked men and smash their teeth with blows. Deliverance is a to the psalm being good you all sound very good tonight so that's good that's the third psalm let's go on to psalm 61 here we read hear my cry O god attend to my prayer starting again from maybe not the most positive situation someone who's crying out from the end of the earth i will cry to you one thought that comes through in this psalm is that no matter where we are god is always present with us. And so in the first clause there, we see that God is omnipresent. But then we read on and see, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. There's comfort in knowing that God, the one that we serve, is greater than we are. It's important sometimes for us to feel small. And that may sound strange to say, but there's times when you stand at the foot of a mountain or you're looking over a landscape and you realize in the grand scale of things that you're actually quite small. We think of the eighth psalm. What is man that you consider him? Why does God think of us? And yet 
we take comfort in the strength, the omnipotence of God, the rock that is higher than we are. For you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. That's saying the same thing that David would say more familiarly in the 23rd Psalm. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's what we want in this life. We don't want to live in any old house. We want to live eternally in God's dwelling place. He says, I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. He notes there that the singer here has inherited something. They've gained the heritage of all those who have come before them who fear the name of God. Whose heritage might that be? The heritage of Noah building the ark? The heritage of Abraham, the father of the faithful? The heritage of Moses, the one that was willing to stand up and cast off the riches of Pharaoh for the reproach of Christ? We've gained that heritage as God's followers. He goes on to say, You will prolong the king's life, his years as many generations. He shall abide before God forever, O prepare mercy and truth, which may preserve him. So I will sing praise to your name forever, that I may daily perform my vows. One question that comes up when it comes to reading the Psalms or singing the Psalms today are statements like this, I will prolong the king's life. Obviously, in the immediate context that this was written, when you said, I will prolong the king's life, the singer would have had their mindset on perhaps David or Solomon or whoever was currently on the throne of Israel, later the kingdom of Judah. And so perhaps one goes, well, what do we do with parts like this that seem tied explicitly to the life and times of the people in the Old Testament? Could we sing this part about prolonging the king's life today? Well, let's look at a couple of points. One is this. John did part of my job for me this morning in bringing up two passages that as he said them, I thought I was already going to use them tonight, but he's just hammering the point home, right? When we read the book of Psalms, we know from the New Testament that Jesus claims the messaging of the Psalms to be pointing to him. He said in John 5, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life and these are they which testify of me. Later on in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, Peter on the day of Pentecost would explicitly say that some of the Psalms couldn't have been about David. They couldn't have been about David because David died and was in his grave, but rather they were pointing to Jesus. Of course, in Luke 24, Jesus said to his disciples, These are my words that I spoke with you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. I would argue that when we sing Psalms about the king, we have a king that we can have in our mind. It's King Jesus. He's the one that reigns. He is the one on the throne of God. And all of the glory of the Psalms that talk about the blessings of the king, the, the justice of the king, the righteousness of the king, are, they find no more perfect fit than in our king, Jesus Christ. But not only that, something else interesting is that the Psalms, as they talk about God's goodness to his anointed, God's goodness to his Messiah, the king, of course, being one of the, the offices in the Old Testament that would have had the, the, the heir be anointed with oil. One interesting thought in the New Testament is this. Jesus is king, but God is so gracious that he has made us joint heirs with his son. In Romans 8, 16, it says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and it, it's almost... I can barely say it, joint 
heirs with Christ. What a gracious God that we serve. He did not save us to be slaves in heaven. He did not save us to be footmen in heaven. He saved us to be joint heirs with his son, the king of all glory. In Revelation chapter 4, Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him, and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. A thought that you can have while you sing the Psalms, it talks about God's goodness to his anointed, his goodness to the king, is that God not only has shown that goodness to his son, but through him he's also shown it to us. And that's something that we can be very thankful for. Let's sing Psalm 66. I I tried to sing some of these tunes this morning so they might be fresh in your mind. This psalm is to the tune of, Oh, Worship the King. And so we'll sing through this psalm. And uh, again, we'll we'll start kind of slow with this first verse and pick up from there. Mm. Oh God, hear my cry, give heed to my prayer. From earth's farthest end, I call to you there. When my heart grows faint, it is then that I cry. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you've always been a refuge for me, a tower of strength from each enemy. Oh, let me forever in your tent abide, and under your sheltering wings let me hide. For God, you have heard the vows that I made. I'm heir now with all those fearing your name. The king's life you'll lengthen, prolonging his days. His years will be many from age unto age. Before God he'll sit, enthroned he'll endure. Give your love and truth to make him secure. So I will forever to your name sing praise that I may my vows pay throughout all my days. The last song we're going to look at tonight, we're only going to look at half of it because time won't permit for the whole thing. Psalm 77, starting at verse 1. I want to note that the last two psalms, David has been in a position of crying out, praying to God. But he almost immediately turns and says, well, God's going to protect me. He's my shield. He's going to be my help. But in Psalm 77, it's just a little bit different. Note the psalmist here. I cried out to God with my voice, to God with my voice, and he gave ear to me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My hand was stretched out in the night without ceasing. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. It's very interesting here that the psalmist says he he finds himself on a sleepless night. He knows God. He's crying out to God. And yet he has a night 
where he cannot get at ease in his heart and mind. I wonder if anybody in here has ever had a night like that, a night where you've sat up with God, if we can put it that way. Maybe something happened in your life, some tragedy, uh, some obstacle that's come up in your way that you're, you're up at night wrestling with God, you're praying to him, you're pouring your heart out, and yet no comfort really seems to come. That he said, I remembered God and was troubled, is kind of an arresting statement. We often think that God, remembering him is our comfort. Remembering that he's here for us is something that's good. And yet, in this case, he remembers God and he's troubled because he wonders where God is. He says, I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. You hold my eyelids open. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. I've considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. When times get bad, what do we think back to? The good times. What happened? What changed? Why did the things end? Why, why did we lose that, God? Why have you stopped taking care of me? And these things come to our mind. I meditate within my heart and my spirit makes diligent search. Note the questions here. Will the Lord cast off? forever and will he be favorable no more has his mercy ceased forever has his promise failed forevermore has God forgotten to be gracious has he in anger shut up his tender mercies these are things again we look at the psalms the psalmist sings things that we are sometimes afraid to even say we wouldn't question God out loud and yet there's a story being woven here because it's only at the end that we see and I, said my, and I said, this is my anguish, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. And as you go on through the rest of that psalm, he recounts all of God's mighty works and the things that he's done. And how God has been good in the past, that even though times are hard now, God can be good in the future. We have a hard time in Western society singing what's called a lament. Over a third of the psalms are laments. They're sad songs. There's songs that say, I have questions, I have troubles, I find myself in the pit. We have a lengthy sick list right now. We have a list of people that are going through very difficult times. We have people that are going through difficult economic times. We have people that are going through difficult relationship issues in their life. And the Bible has songs for that kind of moment. The moment where you say, I wonder if God even remembers that I exist. But in the Psalms at the end, there's always the twist to say, I remember that God is good. And this Psalm does that. It twists to the end. And so we're going to sing Psalm 77 to the tomb of he leadeth me. Note that the Psalm is going to ask those same questions that I just read. Has God forgotten? Is God good? But you have to follow to the end of the song, right? You have to sing the last verse because it's the end that it turns back and remembers that God is good. Not that we're questioning God, not that we're saying, is he good? But rather, we're calling those emotions to mind and remembering that at the end, ultimately, he will save us. This is the tune of He Leadeth Me, another song we sang this morning. <clears throat> we'll start a little slower. <clears throat> my voice to God aloud I plead. My voice to God, he will me heed. I sought the Lord, I was distressed. I gave my outstretched hands no rest. My restless soul all through the night no comfort found.
found in coming light. With thoughts of God, my fears arise, my failing spirit fades with sighs. You do not let my eyelids close, I am made speechless by my woes. The days of old I think upon, the years that long ago have gone. I ponder songs I sing at night, my heart and spirit search for life. Forever will the Lord reject, can I his favor not expect? Forever has his kindness ceased, and is he from his word released? Did God forget to show his grace? Does wrath his mercy now replace? Then I replied, such questions show that I my weakness need to know. The Most High has a firm right hand that through the years will change. Let's stand. Amen. Thank you all for singing these psalms with me tonight. I've, I've enjoyed doing something just a little bit different. One thing that the psalms amaze me with is we look at how emotional these songs are that God inspired in the Old Testament. It's that God is a being of emotion. And I don't say that in the way of emotion that's, uh, that's evil. I don't say that in a way that God is uh, you know, kind of tied by the winds of change and that he just kind of goes from one emotion to the next. Rather, I mean to say God made us with emotion. He made us to feel he made us to experience things in this heart, not just a rote following of commandments. Of course his commandments are important, but we follow them out of love. We follow them because he has made us as such that, that words and, and singing to one another can inspire beauty in our hearts. And sometimes that can speak to things that otherwise we won't hear. You know, I, I know that several of us probably in our relationships and different times in our life, we have songs that mean something to us. When we hear it come on the radio, it reminds us of a memory. And I think it's interesting that God made a musical world. God didn't give us a, a world with no music, a, wor a world with no song. He made the world this way and it's good. And I think the fact that he gave us songs in his book show us just how powerful that can be. Tonight, if you're here and you're not a Christian, God, he's not just a God that made us with, with a heart to feel things or feel happy or feel sadness. He made us with a heart to desire following after him and his son. That's the whole purpose of life. That's what he made you to do. So if you're not a Christian tonight, you can be baptized into Christ and leave here a child and joint heir of Jesus. But most of us here tonight are Christians. And I think at different times we find ourselves feeling like the psalmist did. We feel like God's forgotten us. We feel like we're crying out to him because of the things going on in our life. And at those times, the psalmist doesn't say, so I stopped praying so I stopped asking, it says, I cried aloud. I cried more, I prayed more. 